This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yes. Oh, he's kept it out! Pools are promoted! On the ball are heading back to the Football League! So just following on from that, um, the retail side of things, I guess, has been under a lot of scrutiny from fans and things about stock and stuff like that. I think it's fair to say with the, the news regarding O'Neill's, is there any updates you can give fans? If not, absolutely fine, of course. No, yeah, there is. You know, I can, I can certainly shed a little bit more light on it. I think um, in, in, in many ways, I feel a little bit sorry for O'Neill's in some sense. I think... Um, I think um, last season, you know, going up in the fashion that we did, um, sponsors and everything in place for the following season. Um, it ain't, you know, you need to be having those conversations kind of December, November, December. You need to have your kits signed off by January and you want to be putting your orders in by February, um, which is kind of why I've gone public with um, the kind of uh, the termination, if you like, or, or, or non-extension of O'Neill's because I think it was the fairest thing to do uh, for O'Neill's because I think, A, um, you know, everything, and we talked before about, you know, 90% of football fans are fully behind the club and they can see the positive change that we're trying to make. And fair enough, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a little moan or a whinge about certain things. But, I mean, it literally got to the point where you could sign a new player and then every comment would be, yeah, what about our shirts in the shop? And... I've not been able to get this in the shop. I've not been able to get that in the shop. And it's like, it's draining. And we kind of inherited that situation. Um, it wasn't ideal by any stretch. Um, and I've tried, I've tried my best to kind of address it as best I could. Um, but the fact of the matter is football shirts, um, generally speaking, these days aren't made in, in the UK. Um, there's a lead time for them. They take time to be manufactured. They take time to be shipped. We also had COVID issues with transport, export, import, that kind of thing. Um, but cut a long story short, you know, ultimately it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And football supporters, all they want is to be able to go into a shop, get the shirt when they want it, in the size that they want it, in the colour that they want it, when they want it. So either go on holiday in pre-season, to have it for the first game of the season. And what 
we did as a football club and our suppliers kind of got to take a little bit of responsibility for that as well. Um, we let we let fans down, and I think it's important that you you know if you if you're going to take credit and you're going to take praise for doing things well, then you've got to be open to the criticism and hold your hands up when you don't do things particularly well. And I think it could have been handled better. I think, like I said before, a lot of the problems with O'Neill's um, were down to um, length of time it took to get things across to us and manufactured. But at the same time, you know, as a football club, you know, financially, there was it's the big it's a big outlay when you go into retail when you look at pre pre season when you look at kit launch you can imagine you get kind of two windows unfortunately we missed both but you get two really good opportunities with a with a retail operation I've got a lot of experience in this field at every club um, you get your pre season you get your kit launch which is where you generally do sixty percent of your shirt sales. And then you've got Christmas where you do an extra 20 25% of your sales and the rest of the um, percentages made up throughout the season. We missed both. We were too late for the start of the season and we had no stock at Christmas. There's no way you can kind of, you, you, you can address that up, you know, between us, between ourselves and ourselves. Um, we messed that up. Um, and some of it was down to us in terms of not ordering enough because we were worried about having stock left on the shelves that we couldn't ill afford to have in the on the back of a COVID season. But at the same time, you know, for me personally, it wasn't rocket science to to know that you're gonna sell the demand is there at a club like Hartlepool, I think, to sell three and a half, four thousand shirts. So if you're ordering them in batches of five hundred, then you're just making a rob for your own back. And I think you deserve every little bit of criticism that you get. So going forward, We've parted company amicably with O'Neill's and I'd like to, you know, thank them for the service because um, they are a good company and, you know, I know a lot of people there personally and it was a difficult one for me because I've got contacts at O'Neill's. I've done some consulting with O'Neill's, believe it or not, in the past. Um, and I'd like to think I've got friends there. So to have those conversations was not easy for me. Um, but we've chosen a new supplier. Um, I've been having talks with them now for... Um, Quite a long period of time the kits have all been designed for next season and um, the sponsors are now all in place for next season um i can reveal next season we'll have three kits not two we'll have a home home shirt away shirt and a third shirt we've got sponsors front and back for each we've got sponsors on the shorts and um it's a really exciting time i think for the football club and i think the supporters will will really get behind it and you know i want to be able to go on sale at the beginning of july and we'll be announcing who the partner is that we're partnering with in the uh, in the next couple of weeks, so we can get that announcement out there, so people can understand that we've done the deal, and you know they can actually start looking forward to being able to order the kit from probably the first second of July, um, which for me sounds kind of normal, but I think for everybody else at Hartlepool will think that's just um, amazing. So, from I think if once people see who the supplier is and see what we're doing and look at the ranges that we've had. We spoke we made for this football club and um, they're not standard kits they're not kits by any stretch that you would get out of a catalogue these are kits that have been very carefully designed all three of them um, and there's nods to the past without giving too much away there's nods to the past in each of them there's nods to the future 
Um, and there's lots and lots of ranges to go with it, whether that be training, leisure, uh, lifestyle. Um, the retail operation from July onwards will be unrecognisable to what it's ever been before. And um, one of the key differences will be to integrate the, the shop and the ticket office into one hub. So it'll just be one space. There'll be no longer just a ticket office that's open. Never really been able to get my head around the fact that the ticket office is open one day and the shop's open another. And if you can't get a ticket in the ticket office, then you'll get it in the shop. But people don't actually know that. We don't really advertise it very well. It's just a bit of a shambles. So from next year, there'll be one operation, which will be we'll be knocking the walls through from the ticket office into the shop. And we'll have one big space where you can do everything from memberships to season tickets to match day tickets and to retail and uh, yeah i'm very very excited about that and i think it's a huge growth opportunity for the football club uh commercially i think it will generate us a hell of a lot of revenue but i also think it's um it's something that the fans will be really on board with and i think you know the three kits that we've got next season um if i do say so myself i think will be very very well received i mean you've got me excited for that already i know something <laughs> that um I've always looked forward to, I'm sure a lot of fans look forward to seeing what kits your team's going to be playing in. It's something different as well to be able to have three kits. It, it adds that extra as if there's a lot of thoughts gone behind it. And, you know, as fans, we always appreciate that. So already excited for the launch of that. And talking on pre-season here, uh, Ronnie C has asked if there are any plans in place already for a pre-season schedule. Would there be a view to look elsewhere than the usual fixtures we play or can you shed any light on that? In fact, yeah, not two weeks, we've got a board meeting. Um, we've had some really exciting offers, actually, this year um, for pre-season friendlies. Um, I've got personally a lot of contacts in football and, and previous clubs and managers of previous clubs that have moved to different clubs. So um, that might be one that you might get be able to work out yourself. But um, <clears throat> without giving too much away at the moment, what I would say is that at the board meeting, I've got a paper to put to the board um, of a pre-season schedule that I think um, will be fantastic if we can if we can get it over the line. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of certainly last season's pre-season, I mean, you look at some of the games that we, we played last year and I was like, crikey, that's, um, that, that's hardly going to whet my appetite. I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm sure the players didn't even get excited about that one. Um, so yeah, I think it. I think it's really important. I think it's really important that we try and get some big teams to the Suit Direct Stadium. I think it's really important that um, if you work cleverly with your pre-season, like um, you do at most of the big clubs, um, it's a really good opportunity to kind of um, flesh your new kits, and you can kind of tie that into your kit launch, and you can tie that into your home kit, your away kit, your third kit. Um, and wet people's appetite it has a, a knock-on effect with sales and i think that's got to be part of the the kind of thought process for next season's well this yeah next season's pre-season um yeah so there's a lot of thought gone into it i can't announce anything just yet um over the next probably two to three weeks we'll try and agree internally what that might look like um a couple of things if they come off i think will be really really um exciting for the players and for the fans um and whichever way you look at it, I think it'll be the last few years. Back to this season then. Let's talk about things on the pitch. A good place to start would be that recent trip to Sellers Park to Crystal Palace in the fourth round of the FA Cup. 
We've talked on numerous occasions about how special it was for us as supporters. But what was it like behind the scenes in the build-up to this fixture for you guys? You know, given everything they did for us, subsidising the bus. You know, how important was it? Was it? For, you know, from a club point of view. Yeah, no, I'm glad you've given me the opportunity to talk about that. Really, uh, I'm not trying not to go on for too long, but um, I mean, crikey, when the balls came out of the hat, when you look at the the kind of run we'd had in both cup competitions this season, um, we'd always been the underdog, especially having beaten Blackpool at um, at the Suit Directs, which was you know a tremendous, well deserved victory. Um, I think we were all hoping for a TV fixture. So when we didn't get that, you know, I was kind of banging that drum. I was complaining to anybody who would listen about, you know, why are we missing? Why are we missing out on that? Why are we missing out on the potential revenue? And especially when I looked at some of the games that did get TV, um, pick for. T- I mean, eventually, I think after banging that drum, we did manage to get the extended highlights on match of the day, which was great. It was a little bit of extended kind of ca- a little bit of extra cash, but in reality, it was nothing in comparison to some of the other clubs. And then, you know, for me, I wanted a Premier League club. And, you know, whichever Premier League club we got was going to be a great kind of um, occasion for us. You either want a really good club where you're going to have a really good day out and, you know, give it your all. Or you want a draw where you can try and get through and get into the hat and get get um, get through to the next round. So, you know, I was happy with Crystal Palace, but I actually know Phil, Phil Alexander from the past, who's the, the chief exec of, um, of Crystal Palace and he's you know, with the EFL, I think the following day and Phil, yeah, and Phil actually gave me a call, um, the chief exec from Crystal Palace. And he said, look, Stevie said, um, you know, we'd really like to, we'd really like to help in some way. I'm not sure what that is yet. Um, but, you know, I think PR wise, it was a, a good move for them. I think, um, you know, if, 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 if he was being honest and they were being honest, then I think if I was in his shoes in the Premier League, playing a League Two club, I'd want to politically be seen to be helping that club a little bit. But look, make, make no mistake, they didn't have to do what they did. And I think from the moment that he kind of said that he wanted to subsidise the travel and, you know, that, you know, was into the tens of thousands. It wasn't a, a small gesture. Um, I think the two clubs just kind of got behind it. And for me, that it, it was the tie of the round for many reasons. And in many ways, we didn't get the TV, but crikey, the the attention we got media wise on the back of the you know the buses and then obviously of course um Gemma Lee Graham's Graham's wife and you know I got another call then from Phil saying you know the chairman Steve Parrish he's seen all about um about Gemma Lee the manager's wife and can you tell me the story so Phil and I had a story and had a had a conversation about that and with Steve Parrish and then the next thing he's saying look you know this is we need to we need to try and help Gemma and we need to try and use the power of football. And do you think Graham would mind? I said, Well, I'm sure he won't, but um let's not do anything just yet. And so I've spoken to Graham. So um I was already down in London actually. Um the players had gone to the hotel and I was um I was in London meeting some friends the night before the game. Uh got the call um off Crystal Palace, rang Graham, explained what they were looking to do, but I think nobody said that it would have been received the way it was and you know I think at the time I rang Graham I think just giving page was on about 14 grand 15 grand for me right and then we look at where that just grew to and I think because of that and because of 
Oh, same internet stable, stable. Because of that, I think it just both sets of fans just grew together. And you know, on the day, yeah, it was a football match and there was rivalry and everything else. But you know, the fact that they stayed behind and they collapsed us off the pitch, and you know, the respect that we had both ways, the way that we left the dressing room at Crystal Palace, nobody's ever done that before. And um, I think the whole occasion, I think I was really keen, certainly from coming from a Premier League background, it was I was really I'm really passionate about our brand. I'm really passionate about how we stop being little old Hartlepool and start putting ourselves on the map as a serious professional football club. Um, you know, it's the little attentions to detail. It's the, it's the sign on the bus used to drive me crazy. It was off-brand. It was it was the old gold logo on a blue background and the bus was black and it used to I'm a bit OCD anyway and it kind of freaked me out. So just getting new signage done for the coach so that when we turned up, the bus looked right. It's little things like that. I think, you know, nobody... Everybody commented on the fact how we presented ourselves was Premier League off the field. Um, from the hotel we stayed in, the preparation that we had, the coach down there, the way the coach looked, the suits that we'd had commissioned um, for the rest of the season, obviously through our, our partner Suit Direct, um, the, the way we, we kind of presented ourselves on the day, the way we interacted with the media, the way we kind of put our crest and our, our brand on the international stage. And then the way we left the stadium afterwards, um, to be honest, was just a credit to the football club. It was a credit to the lads and it was a pleasure to be involved in it. And of course, you know, the result didn't go our way, but we by no means disgraced ourselves. And I think everybody had a great weekend to get to the fourth round of the get to the semi-final John's in the season, your first season back in the EFL, secure your status for next season, which was the primary objective. You know, I think if you'd have said that that to me at the beginning of the season, I'd have snapped your hand off. So, I think um, I think we've met, we've gained a lot of friends in football on the back of that Crystal Palace fixture. I think at the same time we've we've shown that we um, we're a professional outfit, and I think people are taking us seriously now. Well, I know what you've said there about you know the football world and the way we've connected with people. I remember when we drew Palace, and I put a tweet out on my personal account, and the amount of Palace fans that got involved and were wishing us the best from the start it just kind of set the tone you know even little things like the program that they did you know yeah. that, that nod really it was such a special day we've talked about it in the podcast everybody's talked about it and I think a moment that I'll never forget was at the end when the players just stood there and it was that moment with Graham Lee and the staff and and us as fans and it was just so special because of how far we've come um as a club to see that at the end, despite losing Tuna, we didn't embarrass ourselves. We we really no. put in a good show. Even that chance Ferguson had um, shortly after they scored the first, you know, that could have changed it. And I think it was just such a special occasion that whatever the result had been, it just wouldn't really, you know, make the day any worse. It, it couldn't have been any special. And continuing with the theme of the cup success, unfortunately, you know, last week we fell at the final hurdle with a trip to Wembley for the first time in our history. So close, but penalties obviously put pay to that. However, what occasion it was for everyone involved with HFC. Perhaps you could just touch on this, the display that was done by the Northwest Corner and just anything else you'd like to comment on. I think it was probably one of the best atmospheres I've seen at Pools for some years since I've started supporting them. Yeah, cracky. I mean, it's hairs on the back of your neck stuff, isn't it? Um, look, to get to the semi-final, I think regardless of the team to, to kind of um, to play really in terms of, you know, I was um, I'm good friends with Alex Neil, the Sunderland manager, ex-Press, the next Norwich, both clubs that I've worked at. I invited Alex as my guest um, and he was sat next to me for the game and he kind of, 
it's interesting really because obviously being he's now in League One with Sunderland, he knows a lot about Rotherham. He was telling me how they were going to play. And when you're talking to managers who have kind of operated at that elite level, they kind of they see the game slightly differently. So it was really interesting to kind of um see how how the, the the game played out, which was pretty much exactly how we'd explained it would play out. Um the result was unfortunate because you know we were in that game all the way through. And yes, Ben kept us in the game at the end. Um, but we could have nicked it, you know, on another day, they're down to 10 men. I think referee wise, there was some inconsistent decisions to say the least. Um, but look, you know, we're not bitter losers. Um, and you know, a lot of people said to me, you've never been to Wembley before. And I said, well, no, the club have never been to Wembley, but that's only because you know, we had to have playoffs in, in Wales and the Millennium Stadium. So we would have had our day at Wembley and it's not like we've never had any kind of success in the past. Um, but look, that just wasn't our day, and we wish Rotherham all the best. And and um, on another day, so you know, it's a spot kick. We we went toe to toe with them for ninety five minutes, um, and we lost five four on penalties against the top of League One. Who, by the way, as Alex Neil was talking to me on the night, was saying, you know, that they turn everybody over in League One, playing a very aggressive style of football. They 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 turn your backs, they get in behind you, and they score off crosses. It's exactly what they did. Um, but you know nobody, nobody um, embarrassed themselves that night, and you know in certain, I was so proud to be associated with the club. But but equally, you know, I was I was keen that we were on TV, we were live to a, a national international. We kind of showed up well and presented ourselves well, and you know the big screen in the corner, and the fact we had seven and a half thousand logistically, it was going to be hard work because we've not had this season anything like that in terms of getting people into the ground on time. And making sure that everybody was fed and watered and 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 queues are kept to a minimum. Um, I think we I think everybody to a man um did really, really well. And you know, whilst I'm I'm, I'm gutted, absolutely gutted that we, we couldn't get over that over the line and 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 have a, a Wembley final to look forward to. I, I'm really, really proud of of the kind of show that we put on on and off the field. Um and like you said before, I just think personally that's a really a really big sign of how far we've come in a very short space of time. And I know that people will always complain about things. People will always find, some people will always find a way to have a pop or have a niggle about something. But crikey, if you look at things in perspective, we're, we're a hell of a lot better now than we were six, seven, eight, twelve 12 months ago. As we do draw this episode to a close, you know, there's 11 games left now, Stephen. What are your hopes for the rest of the season? I think, you know, you've got to take the positive out of every situation. We're out of the Cups now, which means you concentrate on the league. We're in a position where mathematically we can still we can still get promotion. So why would we not why would we not have that belief? Look at where we've been already. Look at the teams we've beaten this season. Look at the teams higher up. We've always done really well when our backs are against the wall. We've always done really well with adversity. Um now, every time we've played without any fear, where Papa John's was a good example. You know, we've been playing teams throughout that competition that have been in leagues above us. We've played really well. We've played without fear because we've had nothing to lose. Well, then we're kind of playing without fear. So why can't we go out and, and, and take that seventh spot? Why can't we go on a big run now and, and, and kind of creep into the playoffs? Yes, there's a bit of luck involved in that, but it's just about finishing as high as we possibly can now this season and then concentrating on, on another campaign next year, which hopefully will be even better. Well, Stephen, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to join us this evening and giving us such an incredible insight. But to finish, do you have a message for the supporters? 
Yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, I've said it many times this season. Um, I genuinely, genuinely mean it when, you know, I say that we're nothing without you. We're nothing without the supporters. I am humbled every single week when I see um, the supporters in the stadium. Um, we've got some fantastic, passionate supporters. We've got some really good supporters groups. Sorry, I forgot to mention, by the way, when we talk about Rotherham, the displays. So this is a northwest corner unbelievable the um the display that they put on when you think that that was a fan-led initiative most football clubs struggle to do that themselves so when you look at a fan-led initiative to to do that it's also important to mention heart of our club who also donate, donated uh, significantly towards the flags and and everything else in other parts of the ground we've also got other supporters groups and um, obviously the supporters trust um yeah, we've, we, we, I'm, I'm just blown away really by the support of this club. And if, if there's one thing that the cut runs have done this year and the, the kind of the semi final on Wednesday, it's just shown me, um, the potential that this football club's got. And that's exactly what the chairman said to me sort of seven, eight months ago when I, when I was talking to him about taking this position. And, um, it's just made me even more hungry to, to deliver, um, on and off the field in the right direction, then we're certainly going to be um, we're going to be followed wherever we go. And you know, it's exciting times. It's exciting. There's a feel good factor back in the town. The football club is back in the heart of the community. Everybody's talking about it for all the right reasons, and the future is really bright. And if we can get the redevelopment over the line, we can put together a brand new stadium, that's state of the art that is um, is is big enough for the, for the kind of crowds that we can potentially. Um, attracts, then I just think the future's um, the future's looking very, very bright for this football club. So keep coming as you do, keep supporting us. I know we don't get it right all the time, and I don't need to see it every day on Twitter when something good happens. You'll always get one person say, yeah, but you can't get a beer on the town end because they've just run out of gas. Well, do you know what? They're just changing the gas. They're just changing the barrel. It's not the end of the world. Yes, I know the tannoy system's not ideal in the town end. We're working on it, but we'll get it right. But these are little things in comparison to where we've come as a football club. And I think um, if, if people just stick with us and, and kind of believe in the, in the, in the kind of the long-term plan, then um, we'll all be in a good place come, uh, come the next season and, and beyond. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.